have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Paul has been teaching some things that were pretty offensive, to say the least, to his Israelite opponents in Rome in order to help us understand the gospel, that whether a person is a Jew who had the law and all these advantages from God as his firstborn in the world, or as a Gentile who had nothing but the sense of right and wrong in their own hearts because we bear the image of God as human beings, we can only be made right with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, only those of faith, since they are the true Israel, will inherit the promises made to Israel. Verses 30 to 33 now both summarize chapter 9 for us and prepare us for chapter 10. As Paul turns back to the whole way of interpreting Scripture that characterizes his approach to the Old Testament, he begins to explain from Scripture exactly what it was that national Israel missed and why, therefore, they missed out. They stumbled on the stone of stumbling. There is a stone of stumbling. Jesus is this and a rock of offense to human beings, not just to Israel, but to all, especially to those, especially to those trying to please God on their own. So let me pray and we'll look at this passage. Father, I ask that you would be with me this morning as I preach. God, help me to stay focused, help me to trust in you and have faith in you that your word is sufficient in and of itself to do the work in our hearts that is needed. And God, I pray that each one of us would be willing to listen and to understand and to believe. We ask and pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So verse 30 here. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. This really is a powerful text because Paul reveals that the difference between those who do not attain to the righteousness God requires and those who do is a matter of whether a person pursues it or not. And it isn't the way that we think It all depends on whether a person tries to become righteous. Paul says that historical Israel here, the physical nation as a whole, did not attain to the law of righteousness. All that God has taught about what it takes to be in a right relationship with Him. Why, verse 32 asks. Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So historical Israel did not attain to the righteousness of God because they tried to. The Gentiles, back in verse 30, however, did. Not every single Gentile, but the Gentiles in the sense of those who were not originally a part of God's chosen nation. They did attain. To God's righteousness. Why? Because they didn't try to. But instead simply had faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus was a stumbling stone to national Israel because they had the law. Is what the Bible clearly teaches. Because they had been trying 
to become righteous. So when Jesus comes and preaches that God will not accept our good works, but we must all repent of our sin and have faith in Him, Israel balked. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, God had laid His chosen stone in Zion, a precious stone with a sure foundation in Isaiah 28, 16. But this stone was laid in the midst of a people who did not fear the Lord and were under judgment for their lack of trust in the Lord of hosts. Emmanuel, who the text says will become a sanctuary and a stone of striking and a rock of stumbling to the two houses of Israel, Israel and Judah, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on them. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and captured. Isaiah 8, 14 and 15. Those in Isaiah's day who were trusting in worldly alliances ended up being put to shame as the northern kingdom fell in 722 B.C. when Sennacherib invaded Jerusalem itself later in 701 B.C. Isaiah pointed to God with us, Emmanuel, as the rock-solid foundation on which one can build and not be found a fool when the floods of final judgment finally come. And when God finally sent Jesus Christ, Israel's chief cornerstone, and revealed Him, He was rejected by Israel in Psalm 118 verse 22, the Lord also spoke of the stone which the builders rejected, becoming the chief cornerstone. Luke's gospel teaches this very same thing in Luke 2.34, saying, Jesus has been set for the falling and rising again of many in Israel, and as a sign spoken against. Now, where did all this dissatisfaction and misunderstanding and really hatred of Jesus come from in Israel? They had been trying to become righteous on their own by following the law. They had been pursuing righteousness. How does that not lead to righteousness? In Romans 5.20, we find that God had given the law to increase sin, not to be the means by which we become righteous. What Israel should have believed after all that trying and falling short by the time Jesus arrived, is that no matter how hard they try, they cannot become righteous enough for God. That would have made them embrace Jesus with both arms and thank God for their rescue. Instead, when salvation came to them in the person of Jesus, they weren't willing to give up their efforts and trust Him alone for their righteousness. We don't want to throw away everything that we've worked for. We've been working so hard, and Jesus comes along and says, Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Throw away all my effort and my accomplishments and stand empty-handed before God just trusting in Jesus. Be like those freeloading Gentiles that just have faith in Him. These dirtbags that don't try to follow the law. No thank you. Non-Jewish peoples like the Syrophoenician woman in Mark 7 or the Samaritan woman in John 4, for example, were embracing Jesus with open arms. Why? Because they were intrinsically better people? Absolutely not. Most of them were probably worse. But they had not been given the law. What is becoming increasingly clear in the flow of the New Testament, particularly in Romans, is that when the law interacts with our flesh, we render it ineffective as a means of attaining righteousness. There's nothing wrong with the law, but there's something terribly wrong with us as Paul has been teaching, precisely what he taught in Romans 8.3. He said the law is weakened by the flesh. 
The law cannot overcome our sin nature. But God didn't give it the power to do that. He did not mean for the law to do that. God gave the law to show that we're by nature too sinful to do what he requires. So when the law starts to make you feel like you can do it, you're not listening to it. You're not taking it as God intended. When you hear it as a challenge and say, I can do that, God. I can achieve that. I can attain to that righteousness. You will not become righteous. God gave the law to show that we can't follow it. We're going to need His rescue of us. All the law did then was increase our sin. Make us more sinful. The harder Israel tried, the more they fell short. If we insist on trying to become righteous, we will be put to shame in judgment. All our good works, even the best of them, will be found worthless. We will not become righteous through the works of the law. We can only become righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. This is not simply believing that the work of Jesus is all we need. We must also be willing to embrace that our work is worthless. Part of dying to self is dying to this desire we have to pursue righteousness. We don't need to when it's been provided. In fact, pursuing it when it's been provided to be obtained by faith is sinful and borderline blasphemous. And so to this day, for all who refuse to give up their own pursuit of righteousness and perfection, which is what we see all around us in the world, whether it's through the Mosaic law as the pursuit of righteousness or really just the law that's everywhere. And it is everywhere. The law is in Hobby Lobby. It was there the other night. Have you ever thought about how much law is in front of you all the time? Be kind. Forgive. Love. Right? That's, that's all good, but it's law. And it's on everything. It's everywhere. Be skinny. Be pretty. Right? Look like this. Look like that. Listen to this. Listen to that. Believe this. Don't believe that. The law is everywhere. And everyone's using it however they see it to become perfect. To reach enlightenment. To become whole and all these things. So Jesus remains offensive, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to everyone that thinks they will become righteous and perfect and good by trying. Because Jesus has come to say, your trying is pointless. When we receive Jesus Christ for us in the gospel, we are instantaneously justified and made right with God. Jesus lacks Nothing we need for our salvation. We are fully righteous before God. All our sin is forgiven. There's no longer any need for us to pursue righteousness. In Christ is all of it. We have it. Believer, we are righteous. Faith makes us perfectly righteous. Why? Because faith is in and of itself something so great. No, it's not the one thing we can offer that's good. Faith is makes us righteous because faith takes hold of Christ for us. It's the object of faith. And when we are saved, Jesus isn't putting us in a position to attain righteousness now. Okay, now you can go out and be righteous if, if, we, if you just take me seriously enough. And so many of us who are saved see our good works as our attempt to live up 
to what Jesus has done for us. Right? Don't we talk like that? Jesus did this for me. The least I can do is blank, whatever it is. As though now we owe him something. Beloved, we were in debt to him before. We are not in debt to him now. We don't owe him a cent. It is finished. He's paid for everything. Why do I love Martin Luther so much? Quotes like this. What is it about your own miserable works and doings that you think you could please God more than the sacrifice of His own Son? So, what do we make of all these commandments in the New Testament for Christian living? Well, beloved, first and foremost, the Old Testament was written for our example. So don't make the mistake Israel did with the commandments. We are not given commandments as Christians because we still lack righteousness. That's not why we're given commands. Obedience to these commands, which is required, is not contributing to our righteousness. We are made righteous by faith in Christ. We are commanded to good works because we've been given a new identity. We owe God nothing. We obey Him because we're His and it is finished. Right? We don't expect our children to pay them back or to pay us back when we take them out to dinner. Right? That, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're asking or requiring. Don't think that by trying to obey the commandments, you will attain more righteousness before God or that it will put like some icing on the top of your salvation. That's not why we are commanded to live a certain way. Your effort is not required. Your blood, sweat, and tears have all been absorbed into Christ, who not only took our sin to the cross, but also all the righteousness we lack to the cross, and they're both were crucified with Him, and God raised Him from the dead, proclaiming that He and He alone is our Savior where salvation may be found. So in Romans 6, when we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into His death for our forgiveness and raised with Him to newness of life for our righteousness. Trying to be righteous is not righteousness and will not make one righteous. Trying is not obedience. Obedience is obedience. And only Christ obeyed perfectly. So look away from yourself. You are already righteous in Christ. God has already accepted you and is already pleased with you. Faith alone in Christ makes us righteous. Our good works are not for that purpose. There's no pressure. So go and do His will. Israel was the proof, not the exception to the rule, that God sending His Son to save us by grace alone is offensive and we will reject it. Deep in our nature, we cannot live with the fact that it's all been done for us and we need to give nothing for it to be obtained. All people are offended when they find out God thinks nothing of their good works and their own pursuit of righteousness. We want to be recognized. We want to be honored for all that we've done and all that we put in. But God counts it all as filthy rags, Isaiah said. 
No one will ever come close to earning their salvation through their own righteousness. We all agree on this. Nor will anyone, however, ever be able to improve their standing with God through their own righteousness. So if you are running a rat race trying to be righteous, you have to stop. Jesus is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to human beings, especially to those trying to please God on their own. But blessed is the one who is not offended by Him. Blessed is the one who looks at Jesus and says, Thank God, will you forgive me of all my sins by your blood instead of requiring it of me? Will you give me all of your righteousness so that it becomes the righteousness God requires of me? And can I, can, I can just give Him yours instead? Christians, stop being offended by the Gospel. You need it too. You're not living well enough to merit the need for less faith. Nobody in here is there yet. There's no point in our lives, no level we can get to, where we will not need 100% of the righteousness of Christ as our own in order to be accepted before God. Let go of your grip on your good works as meriting you something before God. That is not why you and I are commanded to do them. Have faith in God. Have faith in God that you are righteous as Christ has made you. And that your good works are not necessary for your salvation. They are the result of having been genuinely set free. God changes our disposition, our state, so that we're free. We're not serving with this yoke over us. It's the difference between doing your job and doing what you want to do when you're retired. The work has been accomplished. Throw away your effort. You're pursuing It isn't doing anything except getting in the way of your faith as enough to obtain your righteousness. And we need faith too much to ever do that. Faith in Christ will give you the forgiveness of all your sin, past, present, and future. And faith in Christ will give you all His righteousness. Which is all God will accept. And He is therefore all you will ever need. Now, you may live for Him without fear. And not out of compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Which only grace can create. Amen.